you pride yourself on finding the best deals and savings? Yes, it's me. I'm raising my hand. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. Get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. Shop brands like Macy's, Adidas, YSL Beauty, Samsung Petco, just to name a few. Plus, membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Here's how it works. Stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and then Rakuten shares a commission with its members via check or PayPal quarterly. And you better believe how exciting it is when your PayPal alerts you that you've gotten money. It's no wonder Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. Or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds up. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hello, everybody. Uh, so we haven't done this in a while, Taya, but we are actually going to be posting a live show uh, today. Well, well, well. Yeah, there was a lot going on in uh, everybody's life these past week or so, and I was traveling to visit places, grandma, whole thing. It was just very chaotic. So at a certain point, we were like, it's probably easier to just uh, release one of our gems that we have saved up. I think it's the uh, Seattle episode, one of our Seattle shows. It's one of the bigger ones on my end, story-wise. It was a lot <gasps> of research. <laughs> You're going to like it if you uh, are hmm, a fan of a very uh, popular cryptid. Let's just say hmm. that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and hmm. I, I went and looked at what story I'd covered, and it's a doozy. So I think this is a really big episode. I'm going to listen to it as soon as it comes out, just to refresh my memory of touring and just feel sad and miss you and miss traveling. <laughs> just and to feel sad. Womp, womp. <laughs> Well, I hope everyone uh, enjoys it. I know we definitely enjoyed it. We also enjoyed taking the week off, to be completely honest, but that's okay. <laughs> we will be back with our regular programming uh, next Sunday. We can't wait to see you then. Otherwise, uh, we're going to sit back and listen to Seattle with you now. So let's crack into the poop. Sorry. <gasps> I feel like a kid that's like about to give a presentation that he has no You're idea like, oh, about. Listen, we just flew in from Los Angeles, and boy, are my arms tired. Fun fact, he was a wonton. <gasps> English is my first language. Is Tamara home? What? Sassy with me, Sassy the Clown. The clown is showing. Ooh, right. Oh, sweet baboon. Finish your drink. <laughs> and that's why we drink! Oh, hey, thanks for selling us out, by the way. Yeah. Oh, don't show me their faces. No. Hello, everyone. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, my. Wow. Hello. Wow. Um, I like to say that's probably the, the loudest we've ever heard yeah. an audience before. All right. And, uh, and we've been to Texas, so that is saying something. 
That's true. Thank you guys so, so much for coming. We had a show here yesterday also, so yeah. hopefully we're at least equally funny tonight. We can't Fingers promise crossed. anything. Um, yesterday I did not have clothes with me, so I did wear mm -hmm. M's and Eva's clothing. Well, explain that first. So well, well, okay. Do I have to? Well, so Delta lost my baggage. Um, and so... Uh, they brought it back, but... Well, so she didn't have clothes, and she was like, what am, what am I going to do on stage? And I was like, I don't know, just wear my clothes. And so she took it literally and wore my clothes, but then decided how she was going to wear them, so she wore my underwear on top of the pants. Okay. Well, there's... Okay, I wore Eva's pants, and Eva's a very small human. And so I was like, I got to wear something on top of them to kind of So she needed my layer. baggy parachute underwear, apparently. <laughs> So she threw that on. That was a good time, though. You that was a good time. Interesting. And then later people were like, oh, I thought you were kidding. And I was like, you just thought I did that for fun? <laughs> no. I think LA is a weird place, Yeah, apparently. maybe. I mean, it is. Uh, did you do anything? Oh, Thank you look beautiful you. with or you, without my underwear. I'm sure you look beautiful, too, whoever you are. <laughs> What'd you do today? Um, well, I was very cold a lot of the day. Yeah, it's freezing here, guys. Are we... I did feel kind of like an asshole because yesterday I went to Starbucks and I was like, well, I went to Starbucks, but I do that every day. So I need to come, I need to like find a, like a local coffee shop. So I did that and I was like, cool, I did my thing. And then uh, I got a sandwich at Panera. <laughs> oh, good. A little <laughs> bit of basic bitch stays yeah. with you. But I did go to the Jimi Hendrix statue. So that was cool. Oh, yeah. nice. I felt like, felt like that was pretty cool. So I don't know. What did you do? Um, well... I didn't leave the hotel because I was... Oh, good. <laughs> I, I was trying really hard. The story I'm going to do is like very overwhelming with how much information there is out there. So I was trying really hard to get it all taken care of. I've heard but a lot of hints about this, yeah. I, I made a genius mistake uh -oh. because... I don't know what that means. I was going to... I got Postmates today for uh -huh. lunch, but I accidentally ordered from a restaurant that only serves like family style. Oh, <laughs> So I ordered lasagna, and I got, like, a pan of lasagna. And wow, did I have fun. Accidentally. <laughs> yeah, it was an accident that was, I accident. ended up really appreciating. So I still had a good time in Seattle, so thank you guys. Yes. So with that, let's crack into it. Yeah! Okay, I'm excited to see what the hell you've been working on for like four days here. Oh, guys, just so you know, if you guys want like a behind the scenes little thing about how I do my notes, I try to do, if you're on a Word document, I try to make notes, I try to always make them the same length, so I try to make it a page and a half in eight point font. Just so you know. It's really... These notes, like when I, <laughs> I got it like as down as I could, it was eight point font and 40 pages. <laughs> And I was like, oh, shit. So I tried really hard to break this down while also giving you as much information okay. as possible. And it is just the most overwhelming notes we'll I've ever done in my happens. life. So let's see if, like, you get a, like, me in middle school where I didn't know what the fuck I was doing or me trying. Who knows? So, um. I sure don't. If thinking about salsa in a variety of delicious flavors and heat levels makes your mouth water, you need to check out Green Mountain Gringo and make sure to turn the jar around and take a look at its clean backside, a list of its all-natural ingredients. Of course, that's what I meant, of course. And all their products are preservative-free, too. With the medium salsa, you get hearty chunks of tomatoes, tomatillos, peppers, and onions in every scoop. I'm reading the ad and my mouth is watering. 
anyway, the hot salsa brings flavorful heat to every meal with each bite containing jalapenos, serrano peppers, and other savory herbs. Plus, they've got a hot sauce with a tangy, spicy flavor that enhances the simplest of meals. It's perfect for avocado egg toast or tacos. I sort of feel like they're reading my mind because I put salsa on almost everything, but specifically, I use their salsa. I use usually the medium salsa and then uh, also the hot sauce on my avocado egg toast. And I don't know how the script knew that. Maybe everybody eats this, but I always make toast with avocado and then I put scrambled eggs on top and I put salsa. I can't eat it without salsa. And the Green Mountain Gringo is always there for me in the fridge because it really adds to, I mean, any meal if you're me, but definitely the eggs avocado toast situation. Visit GreenMountainGringo.com and start shopping. Use the store locator to find Green Mountain Gringo products, get inspiration for recipes, and purchase products using promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off. That's promo code PODCAST24. And don't forget to check out their backside. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's not, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is not a ghost. What is it? It, don't boo me, I have anxiety. get out of here. (laughs) Not today. Uh, I'm hoping you guys will have heard of this one before. Okay. It's the one you guessed in the card that I told I you no it. to. I This knew is it. the story of Sasquatch. I knew it. Um, Em's like, no, nice try. I was like, wow, you're such an idiot, Christine. I wouldn't <laughs> do that one. So there's a lot of information, obviously, but I tried to, I tried to, Bring, bring as much fun as I could into this. So, um, Okay, we'll see. We'll see. You're the judge. Um, so we'll just start with all the places it's been featured in, movie and TV-wise, because that that's fun. Sasquatch has been featured? What? what? Yeah, Sasquatch. Oh, okay, yeah, let's go. Um, Harry and the Hendersons, first. A goofy movie, which is just the best. Which is my biggest cheer. Um, it also has had features in Futurama, an original movie called Bigfoot on the Sci-Fi Channel, or as my dad lovingly calls it, the Siffy Network. <laughs> um, and, of course, Animal Planet's TV series, Finding Bigfoot. Right. My favorite show. There is also a podcast. Oh, gosh. Called, and that's why we drink that you should listen to. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm not kidding. Keep coming to the shows. Um, <laughs> there's a podcast called Sasquatch Chronicles. Oh, my. And it's been out since 2013 and just celebrated their 500th episode. 500? Yowza. And have they found Sasquatch? Uh, they have quite a lot of chronicles on Sasquatch Chronicles. Okay. Um, and they had actually, I listened to a few episodes. I do recommend it. It's very, very good. Okay. Um, I looked up their website, and the about section of their website says, In November 2012, my brother and I came face-to-face with several of these creatures in the foothills of Washington State. Oh, my. They surrounded our car, and we could not safely leave the location. It is funny, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I hope that happens to you on the way home. (laughs) (laughs) 
I never believed in these creatures before, and this encounter deeply changed both of our lives. I decided to create a safe outlet for others like myself to discuss our unique encounters and experiences. And since our encounter, I've been investigating reports from eyewitnesses and speaking with researchers and investigators to help unravel the mystery that surrounds these elusive creatures. Ooh, ah. Oh, my. I'm just going to save my commentary for when you're actually... Oh, when I'm done yeah, with my 40 like, pages? Okay. Yeah. I'll um, save it for page 38. Thanks. So, uh, just anyway, I do recommend them. It was very, very fun to listen to. So, what is Sasquatch? Says no one here because everyone knows. <laughs> I'll tell you. Sasquatch is a cryptid in North America for folklore, and it's specifically in the Pacific Northwest region and especially surrounding areas of Washington State. Okay. Where uh, in Washington State alone, a third of the sightings have been. Oh, my. You guys are weird. (laughs) We knew Uh, that already. Don't worry. (laughs) And it's, uh, I tried to, there's a lot of different descriptions. I tried to make the most blanket statement description I could. Okay. Um, A muscular, upright, walking, ape-like creature with a a version of brown hair, because everyone's got different color brown hair, apparently. Uh, Six to nine feet tall and lives in woodland regions. They have footprints that go up to two feet long, and eight inches wide. Oh, my. They take long, leaping bounds oh. when running, Mm-mm. and they walk with a, quote, lopping gait. Loping. Loping. Remember last night when M called it the pungent sound? Oh, yeah. If you guys were, I didn't know that. It's pugent, right? Puget. Puget. Christ. M goes, the pungent sound. And I was like, Eva, Don't worry. Eva. Everyone let me know I was wrong. Oh, yeah. That's the fun of this show. Um, I'm always wrong and everyone lets me know. So, yeah. um, all right. So not a lopping gate, a loping gate. Um, so apparently the closest description I could find for the face of a Sasquatch is that it's a mix of a gorilla and a human oh. and has a round crested face that sits directly on shoulders and has virtually no neck. Just kind of just head plopped right on there. Ew. Um, the Sasquatch weighs up to 500 pounds and makes strange grunting, gurgling, and howling noises at night. Good. Good. Uh, same. Someone said same. same. Um. I'm sh- my hotel room is like adjoining M, so I can confirm Did you also. hear me snoring last night? No. Oh, I d- good. I did hear you watching a lot of weird YouTube videos, though. That's true. Um, they are, oh, they're also known, this is also you, Christine, they're known for being accompanied by a foul smell whenever they enter a room. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Uh, they have also been seen floating across the ground instead of just walking sometimes. They're reported as gliding. And that is because of, that, what, that part has potentially been explained by their, quote, tell me if I'm saying it wrong, complaint gate. Be- oh, I don't know what that is. Be- if they are connected to primates, apparently uh, instead of having a stiff-legged walk like humans, the Sasquatch might have a, a bent-legged walk, which suppresses the bobbing motion, so it looks like they're gliding instead oh. of walking. All right. Sure, I'm just going to trust you on that. I don't really get it, but okay. They look like they're floating. That's okay, all that matters. Okay, okay, okay. Um, also, fun fact. Apparently, a lot of conspiracy theories that the government has known about them for decades... And has facilitated capturing and murdering them. Which is That part wouldn't surprise me, I guess. So that one is on one of the episodes I listened to of Sasquatch Chronicles, and it was really detailed and really creepy. Oh. So 
Sasquatch versus Bigfoot, because I didn't know if there was a difference. I don't either, so illuminate Maybe me. Maybe they all do, and I'm just going to That guy you. does, though, I can tell. Yeah. He knows a lot, so. <laughs> so, uh, Bigfoot is actually just an umbrella term for human-like giants. What? So, it's... So, you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Tarantula legs. So, with my tarantula yeah. legs, yeah. So, <laughs> they uh, are... So, a Bigfoot can be a Sasquatch, or a Sasquatch can be a Bigfoot, but Bigfoot can be also like the abominable snowman. Or this sounds a lot like the geometry puzzles I don't understand. Yeah. A square can one be... One is the other, but the okay. other isn't one, yes. Got it. So, um, but even though Bigfoot is a blanket term for any human giant, Bigfoot is actually a phrase that came later. Okay. So, which we'll get to, don't worry. Oh, great. Um, most areas have a version of a human-like giant in their own folklore, so every area has their own type of Bigfoot. So, uh, one of my favorites was in Turkish folklore, there's a cryptid called the Almas, and one of them actually ended up sleeping with a bunch of the villagers in the oh. 1850s. <laughs> Drama! If only VH1 had been around at that right. time. <laughs> um, also in Florida, apparently there's the skunk ape. What? And in Australia, they have a Bigfoot called the Yowie. Yowie, right. That's what you say when you see him. And then in Indonesia... Thanks, Dad. <laughs> this, you're welcome. Also, this is another one of my favorites. In Indonesia, there's one called the Ibu Gogo, uh -huh. which actually translates to Grandma Who Eats Anything. <laughs> so that's me. So right. you're the Bigfoot. I'm the, right. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. got it, got it, got it. Also in the Himalayas is the Yeti or the Abominable Snowman, which actually are the same thing, apparently. Okay. Um, but in, they, it was only called the Yeti, and it was actually, up until the 1920s, also called the Meto Kangmi. Sure. Um, which actually translates to Man Bear Snowman. <laughs> but someone, uh, a reporter in 1921, was trying to translate it and clearly translated it wrong. And instead of Man Bear, translated it to a very similar word that actually translates to filthy. Oh. So for a while, it was the filthy snowman. <laughs> that also sounds like a VH1 yeah. special. <laughs> and then he didn't like how it sounded, so he altered it to say abominable. Oh. Fun fact. Okay. You didn't know you were learning about every cryptid tonight, Apparently. did you? Also, um, there's a whole lot of native tribes uh, that have their own versions of Bigfoot. One of them is actually the uh, origin of the Wendigo. Oh. Okay. Which I've covered in one of our episodes. Yes. So in different tribes, the uh, creatures uh, usually signify either a bad omen, evil, or death. Good. So nothing good. Yeah. And some, were, some have actually been said to drag you away in the night, which was a story that they would tell children so they wouldn't leave the house when they're supposed to be asleep. Love that. I love that that seems to be a common thread in every culture. Yeah. Just terror, terrorize your children. <laughs> so the word Sasquatch was coined in 1929 by a guy named J.W. Burns, who actually took the word Sasquatch from a native word, Seskek, mm -hmm. and it translates to wild men. Oh, okay. Um, he was writing an article for a magazine compiling people's sightings of the creature, and he just decided that he was going to go with Sasquatch. Doesn't really make too much sense to me, but okay. <laughs> so, fun fact, though. Oh, God. When he, when he posted, the, posted the article, like it's on social media... <laughs> When he published the article in an actual newspaper, oh my God. Um, he, the, art, the newspaper actually came out on April Fool's Day, so people thought oh, that it wasn't real, and so 
that was just the beginning of nobody actually really ever fully believing in right. Sasquatch since day one. That's sad. So since the 1800s, over 900 sets of Bigfoot footprints have been reported. And there have been up to, so Mount Rainier is actually the record holder for the amount of sightings. They've had up oh, to 70. Okay, okay. And uh, mainly the reports are eyewitness reports, um, which is actually the weakest type of evidence, and 95% of them are mistakes and hoaxes. Shocker. Um, in 2007, there was an article uh, in a survey that said that 16% of, believable, uh, 16% of people absolutely believe in Bigfoot. Well, 16%? Only 16. Oh, that's a lot. In oh, my in book. my mind, I'm like, a thousand people should. So, what the fuck? But, and also, 44% pe- of people are open-minded to it. So that, that's a lot. I mean, that is a lot. But yeah. 16% are like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And then 44% of people are open-minded to the idea if there's ever proof. Holy, okay. So sure. this year alone, there's already been 16 sightings. Um, and also there's a whole lot of stories on Reddit, which I well I was trying to find some really good Sasquatch stories on Reddit, and there were too many, and I got overwhelmed. So <laughs> read them yourself. So um, <laughs> a majority of sightings include uh, the Sasquatch creature either dodging their car when they try to, like, hit it. What? <laughs> Apparently they get scared and think it's like a deer and then like they think that they should like they're too close. They should the, hit it? Well if you're too close I think they're afraid of like stopping and flipping the car so they try to apparently they notice it dodging cars. Okay. Climbing trees bathing in ponds <laughs> <laughs> the whole spectrum. Or yeah. um, my favorite is a lot of people see it running and screaming at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's me when I run, so yeah, I can only imagine. I was going to say, a lot, of, a lot of these things, like, hit really close to home. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1811, so we're all the way back in 1811. Oh, okay. Uh, David Thompson is the very first person to discover a Bigfoot track. Okay. It's a footprint that is... And he's eight- here tonight. Yep. <laughs> and uh, he, his, the footprint he found was 18 inches long. And did not belong to a bear. And up until he tried sharing with people, nobody, until he tried, he put it in a newspaper, nobody knew what track it was. Okay. So that was the beginning of the bear, the barefoot, the Bigfoot saga. Okay. Um, He thought it must be a giant because apparently, I think I'm doing it right, the Spokane tribe? Okay. Spokane, like the city. Yeah, I know, but I I was going to say Spokane like an asshole. You did say, wait, really? I said pungent yesterday, Christine. I know. I don't know what I'm doing. Why do I question anymore? Uh, so he thought it must, if it's not a bear, it, his next thought was it must be a giant because apparently in the area that he saw it, the Spokane tribe believed that there were giants living in that area because oh, interesting. they have some story that goes all the way back saying that uh, a big giant-like human was stealing all of their salmon when they would sleep. Oh, that sucks. So it turned into a <laughs> sorry regular. It does. It, it does. does. Legitimately, I'd be really pissed. And so uh, I love salmon. <laughs> he thought maybe it was a giant. In the 1840s, a Protestant missionary uh, reported also seeing giants in the area. And in 1847, a guy named Paul Kane wrote a story about a skookum. Don't look at me. Which is a supernatural, cannibalistic wild man that lives in Mount St. Helens. What? So apparently. A skookum is a type of Sasquatch, and a Sasquatch is a type of Bigfoot. Okay, got it. It, it 
The little branches, yeah. And following. Eva, write that down because I will not right. remember it later. Okay. Thank you. So, in 1870, a hunter saw a Sasquatch scattering his campfire remains and printed a story in the newspaper. Everyone just printing stories yeah, in the newspaper. Yeah, what the hell? And um, I paid for a journalism degree. I'm the fool here. Everyone's <laughs> just like, mm, I'll put it in the newspaper. <laughs> in 1884... Um, in British Columbia, there was a news article of a group of men that saw... Okay, hey, hey. Um, We're going there tomorrow. hey We can't talk about me in Canada right now. Yeah. I'm, we don't want to derail too hard. Everyone's head will explode. I'm so yeah. excited. So, <laughs> in a British Columbia news article, a group of men saw a creature by the railroad tracks, um, and they said it was, quote, something of a gorilla type with thick, glossy black hair. Okay. They named it Jacko. Oh, that's cute. Mm, then they oh. ran it over to a, on top of oh. a bluff, and then uh, knocked it on the head with a rock. <gasps> what? Why? But they, I don't know, because 1880s was a fucked up time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to deny that, I guess. So they wrote about that saying it looked like it was a baby Sasquatch. What? Yeah. In okay. 1893, Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, boy. Where is this going? I don't know. Uh, he wrote into a uh, publication called The Wilderness Hunter, and he wrote about a story that he heard from a drunken old mountain hunter named Bauman. Sure. But apparently even he was uh, open-minded to the thought, and he wanted to publish a story, so he did. After that, so all the way through the 1800s, people keep seeing uh, this creature, and right. so by the end of the 1800s, people are just taking the Sasquatch sightings super seriously and are now blaming everything left and right for Sasquatches. So I love that game. That's fun. Well, in 1910, uh, in Nahini Valley, Canada, okay. which apparently is not too far. Not too popular. I don't know. I'm not even going to open not, my mouth. Not I don't too know. famous, I guess. I don't uh, know. Nahini Valley, two miners were found there dead with their heads cut off. Uh, okay. Um, and for no reason at all, Sasquatch was to blame. Which is, like, really lucky for the guy who, like, killed well, them. yeah. Um, but there was no... It wasn't even suggested that it wasn't, like, a human that Are hurt you them. Serious? They were just like, there's they only were, one explanation. Like, the cops got there and were like, that's, that's the work of a Sasquatch, if I've ever seen it. Oh, no. So nowadays, Nahini Valley is now known, and the name was officially changed, to Headless Valley. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. So... Then the 19, in 1924, all of a sudden, a bunch of stories come out for some reason. That's like the year of the Sasquatch. So, in, Famously so, yes. So uh, in 1924, a guy named Albert reported actually being kidnapped and taken hostage by a family of Sasquatch. A family? A whole family. Oh, so the boy. Father, the father and daughter guarded him while the mother and son prepared meals. What? And at first he was afraid that he was also going to be part of the meal. Yes. But then he found out that they were vegetarian and were just keeping him as a pet and tried to feed him their vegetarian diet. And that's the first use of magic mushrooms in the <laughs> Northwest. That is bonkers. I'm sorry. So in, uh, also in 1924, uh, there, in the newspaper, of course, again, there were five miners that actually claimed seeing several Sasquatches throw rocks at them and try breaking into their cabin in the middle of the night. Cool. Apparently they screamed, quote, like a bunch of apes. And the next morning, they went out and found a uh, foot-long footprints. Okay. 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 In Got it. I'm following. I know. It's, it's quite a lot, guys. No, I no, told no. you. 40 pages of this. No, um, I'm, I'm buckled up. I'm ready. So uh, 
And from the 1940s to the 1960s, there were several reports that started coming in of people having close encounters, like people saying like they had to grab their child off the playground because a Sasquatch tried to get them. Like, <laughs> wild things. And uh, 1958, this was when the term Bigfoot actually came out because one guy named Jerry was a construction... It always starts with a guy named Jerry. I was like, how'd that get everyone? I'm telling you. So Jerry was a construction worker, and while he was working on a site, he found a massive footprint. He decided to actually make a cast of it in the hole and then bring it to a newspaper office and be like, this is what I found. Look how big this footprint is. He was, he prepared. He was like, no one's going to believe me. I better make a cast. So then he goes to the newspaper office and he says, look at how big this thing is. So then they take a picture of him next to it because it was apparently like half the size of him. Oh, It was a big foot. Okay. Oh, Oh, there it is. So. I get it. Then they took a picture and posted it in the newspaper, and the text under the picture said, new Sasquatch found, it's called Bigfoot. Clever. And that was the, how the name Bigfoot Very happened. Very clever. Got it. Oh, I heard one clap, and I was like, okay. I really, Someone's I really got them there. Someone's excited. But oh. apparently the giant foot that he found, the footprint, not the giant foot, <laughs> um, on the playground, he found a giant <laughs> All the children screamed. Um, yes. So apparently, so his boss's name was Wilbur, and Wilbur had a brother named Ray. Okay, all right. So we fucking hate Ray. So do we do? So Ray. Everybody hates since Ray. Since the fifties, get it? I I gotcha. Everyone hates Raymond. Thank but, you. Um, so I tried. Uh, you should have a comedy show. I don't think so. <laughs> so uh, Ray's. So Ray in the 50s, when, when Bigfoot was coined and this, this Bigfoot was found, um, apparently he hid the secret for a long time, but he only died a couple years ago, and his kids admitted that for decades, uh, Ray would go around with big, like, man-made footprint well, boots, okay. yeah. and he would intentionally throw people off. And one of the footprints that he made was the one that Jerry found and Bigfoot was coined after. Okay. Well, that's sad for Jerry. Right. But keep in mind, that information came out recently. So in the 50s, everyone was like, oh, shit, well, this is yeah. a Bigfoot. So. Wait, so what kind of psycho is He's Ray had a lot of free time. Being like, I'm just going to stomp around in these giant shoes. He had, a, he had a hobby. That's all uh, I can say about him. I mean, don't we all, I guess. So in 1967, this is when Bigfoot, like, this was, like, the, the real time where everyone actually was starting to believe I in it. I thought that was 1924. 1924 is when all the stories really started pouring in. But okay. 1967, people were... On board. Were really questioning whether or not it was around. So okay. in 1967, there were two guys named Roger and Robert. And they actually caught a Sasquatch allegedly on film. But oh, I thought they caught it no, in a cage. No, they like filmed it. Got it. Uh, and this is probably the most iconic video of Bigfoot. Um, this is the most well-known where he's like one. This. Where, he's, where he's walking in the woods and <laughs> that's the one. You guys, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> so... Uh, it shows, quote, a hairy humanoid figure um, walking through the woods, looking at them for a second, and then continuing walking. Yeah. Just like that. Just like this. To this day, nobody has proven that the film was fake or doctored, even though it was a film in the six, back in 1967. So, oh, so... 
Um, they've had a while to try to prove that it's doctored, and they haven't been able to. Um, skeptics say that it's a costume. It's just someone walking around in a gorilla suit. But if you pay close attention to it now that the, uh, you know, enough time has passed and they've been able to see, they can now watch the video in a lot on a clearer screen. Right. I don't know technology. Um, it sounded good to me. It doesn't look pixelated. It's very clear. And uh, apparently you can tell that it is too realistic for someone to have been walking around in for a costume because underneath the skin you can see muscle movement. You can even see a tumor on its right leg. What? Things Sorry, that, that was loud. Things that like a costume wouldn't probably have. A tumor? There was like, it's very like, there's so much detail to it that in 1967... Oh like, okay. It would have been a really expensive costume to yeah, have made. So, I, I imagine so. Um, one anthropologist, this is a large quote, but when asked about, uh, when asked about that video, yeah. he said, it's easy to say, oh, it looks like a man in a fursuit until you see a man in a fursuit. Because you can actually see... Not I just, could have said that too. I know. I mean, and I don't have a Look, I'm, I told you I'm quoting him. I don't want to be right. responsible for that. Uh, you can see muscle movements. You can see the shoulder blades slide under the skin. You can see tendons attaching to joints and so forth. The clarity is really much better than most people have acknowledged in the past. We worked with a motion and gait analysis lab and brought in an actor who coached, in, who coached them in order to simulate the posture that was exhibited by the creature in the video, and he was not able to do anything anywhere closely approximate to the posture of the body, the angles of the joints, and so forth. So I have a question. Yeah. Is that guy always on the History Channel being interviewed? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I didn't. I feel like attention. he's definitely an expert witness for anyone who has a kind of out there. Maybe. I don't know. I maybe that's his believe. career. <laughs> well, so after that movie came out, uh, sightings skyrocketed in Washington State. You guys really ran with it. So, <laughs> Good in job. fact, tell me if I'm wrong. I know you will. Oh, shit, it auto-corrected. Now I really don't know what it's what? called. Just tell me really quietly. No. Uh-oh. I'm just going to say a county. Yeah. Uh, what county? Okay, auto-correct made it say Stamina County. I know that's not right. St Whatever that one was, yes. Mania. Sure. That county. We uh, heard it. Their county commissioners actually in the 60s uh, put in an ordinance in, uh, in place to protect Sasquatches and keep people from hunting them. So in 1969, a law came out saying willful slaying of such a creature shall be deemed a felony, and you're going to be either charged five years in prison and or a $10,000 fine. It has since been what a good use of their time. I know. It has since been amended to a gross misdemeanor, so it's either a $1,000 fine really? or one year in jail. The real reason that they put this in was because since so many people were stoked oh, about finding like Sasquatch, for it they were afraid that someone was going to try to find a real sense. Sasquatch and hunt one and accidentally kill like a, a, a hunter person. in camouflage or something. Yeah, 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 like kill somebody else. Okay. So that's why they also put in another amendment that if you do happen to kill a Bigfoot... And one day, it is legally recognized as a human, they will charge you for homicide. So they're like, just wait. So they're like, don't kill them. That podcast will someday figure this out. Right. And we'll get there. So in the 1970s, uh, it, Sasquatch has now become a mainstream character in media. And there were three big scary movies that came out starring Sasquatch. Uh, the Legend of Boggy Creek, Creature from, Bra from the Black Lake, and The Capture of Bigfoot. And by this point... Uh, Sasquatch was so popular that you guys also decided that it was going to be a staple in American pseudoscience and become Washington State Monster. 
Good job. Good job, guys. That's a pretty good state monster, though. Yeah. Like, I'd say. So in 1980... What's our state monster? I don't know. Oh. Geo? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace Courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. There are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get started today and get after your goals. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required and it's less expensive than takeout. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is a perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. I found myself recently recommending Factor to so many people in my life and this food is really good. So Blaze and I actually get to pick our own meals every week and, you know, separate them in the little drawer in the fridge and... Uh, make sure the other keeps their hands off. I personally love the cold brew smoothies. Those are always my go-to in the morning if I'm running around dropping Leona off, don't have time to cook myself breakfast. It's a great solution. Head to factormeals.com slash drink50 and use code drink50 to get 50% off. That's code drink50 at factormeals.com slash drink50 to get 50% off. So by 1980, there were over 400 reports and these were some of my favorites. So Glenn Thomas reported walking through the woods when he spotted a family of Bigfoots. There were, uh, they were digging through a pile of rocks and eating the small animals that they found underneath. I thought they were vegetarian. Listen, everyone's got a story. Okay. Maybe, maybe the, the vegetarians were doing that by choice. Oh, it wasn't natural to them. It was Who just knows? a choice. Okay, got it. So investigators went back later and found, uh, when they found out that a bunch of Bigfoots were like, digging all these holes, they were like, okay, let's go see if that actually happened. Yeah. They went back to the spot, and there were actually 30 holes that had been dug up. Oh. And all the boulders that were moved that would have been needed to have moved to dig the holes, they were over 250 pounds each. Oh. So for something, something really strong. So this guy wasn't just running stuff. around moving them by himself. Right. Okay. Um, so this was a description of their sound that oh, I really appreciated. Are you going to make the sound? No. Oh. I, was, I just wanted to warn myself. <laughs> No, I don't want to hear it. I would just, like... I am vetoing this decision. Me too. Screw you guys. I don't want that in my ears. The, it's described as their deafening, screaming, choking, belching moan from, from uh, the top of a mountain. <laughs> the kind of scream that sends mothers scurrying to find their children. The kind of scream that no cougar or bear could ever squeeze from their throat unless it was their last. 
What the fuck? A piercing, echoing, guttural, and single, horrible, high-pitched, yet throaty, inhuman, unnatural creation from Steven Spielberg that makes your skin crawl. What? So it sounds downright awful. No! We're not going to do it. I wouldn't even know how to. No, nobody apparently does, because that sounds horrific. So then the last... uh, report that I really enjoyed was there was a guy named Stan and he says that <laughs> he he says that he first met a Sasquatch when he was a little boy and every day after school he would meet the Sasquatch in the woods and talk with him about the kids at school. Okay. Which sounds way fun. I can imagine going up to this guy being like, bitch, guess what Chelsea fucking did? You Chelsea? You mean Megan. Oh, and Megan. I, not to de... Not Sorry, Chelsea was the name of my bully, so... Yeah. Not to derail, but I did just literally last night watch an episode of Bob's Burgers where Tina befriends a goose and, like, keeps telling the goose about all her boy problems, and it sounds exactly like that. Yeah. No wonder I identify so strongly with her. So, um, here are some of the things that they found that is considered proof of Sasquatch. In 1982, uh, there are, they found dermal ridge impressions that were discovered on the footprint cast, which are the lines in your feet that open up for sweat pores and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Um, and they moved horizontally from, teal, from toe to heel, which is the opposite of human beings, and they were <gasps> thick and calloused. Ew. So unless someone's a really good like, artist. I mean, it sounds you know. like Ray was pretty talented. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, there's also further proof that in, in 2007, there's an organization called the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, um, and they released pictures of a juvenile Bigfoot. Um, which some people said it looked kind of like a bear, but they were able to prove that it also looked a lot like a chimpanzee. And people really don't know what this animal is. Okay. Interesting. Um, Also in 2000, there was uh, one cast of a creature that instead of it just being a footprint, they made a cast of a Bigfoot lying on its side. And they said that it had recognizable impressions of a forearm, thigh, and buttocks, Achilles tendon, and heel. Oh, dear. It was 40 to 50% bigger than a normal human, and it was an anatomy unknown for any animal. Oh. So they don't know what it was, but... I know what it was. It was a Bigfoot, probably. (laughs) So uh, scientists' main theories of Sasquatch possibly being real is that it could be an evolved version of the species called Gigantopithecus. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That Um, sounds right. (laughs) But... Their fossils have only been found in Asia, and they walked on all fours. So that's uh, the argument there. Um, the only way that they could actually be Bigfoot is if they somehow migrated without showing any fossil record and also learned to walk on two legs. Um, <laughs> they could, Bigfoot could also be a descendant of the Paranthropus, mm. which uh, would explain that it does walk on two legs and its gorilla-like skull, but those fossils have only been found in Africa and have been extinct for hundreds of years. So... Okay. Um, the next argument that actually says, like, Bigfoot is not, does not exist is that after all these years, we found no Bigfoot DNA, no fecal matter, no nests, and uh, professional trackers can never guarantee tracks where they should be. In a heavy bipedal primate foot, toes should splay apart, at, and the soles should be rough and cracked. Um, but all of the footprint casts that people have found are that the soles and the balls of the feet look like really soft, smooth human feet. Okay. And the toes are close together. So instead of, like, stepping in dirt and the toes splaying, they're all like, always, like, a perfect foot. Okay. 
Also, no Bigfoot bones or bodies have ever been found to date. And some people have tried to argue that, saying that Bigfoot is supernatural and will not let they us find die. their bodies. Oh, yeah. Um, or that. Also, the fact that now that we all have cameras in our pockets 24-7, why haven't there been an influx in recorded sightings? And there's, like, TV shows about it. Right. And uh, samples that have been sent to labs claiming to be Bigfoot DNA have come back as camel, elk, cow, porcupine. Oh, my. And unknown. But the I unknown. I like camel. I like porcupine. Where are the camels coming from? We'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, good. And also unknown. So a lot of people think, oh, unknown means that it's unidentifiable and it could be an animal we've never heard of. But that usually in a lab means that it's just contaminated or too degraded to degraded. Degraded, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. I was like, did I, is that I was like, is that a joke no, I was, that we have together that I forgot? No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's basically like it's broken down. It can't, right. it can't be analyzed by the lab. I got it. Um, and one time they thought they finally found Bigfoot blood, but it was transmission oil. <laughs> so that was a dead end. And then... A guy okay. named Phillips, who is a uh, cultural anthropologist, he said, what it takes to maintain any species, especially a long-lived species, is a breeding population. So that requires a substantial number spread out over a fairly wide area that can find sufficient food and shelter, and the fact that this has all somehow been hidden by the investigators, or from investigators, right. is really trippy. But an NPR interview with Jane Goodall, actually, she said in 2002 and 2012... I met her one time. Did you? Okay, here's the thing. Sorry. No. I just be really short. Go ahead. So I met her one time, but it was so wild because I was with my brother back in D.C., and we ran into her, and she was holding a stuffed gorilla, and we were like, there's no way that's actually, like, why that's would... That's the most Jane Goodall right. thing you can see. We were like, see. we must just be inventing this, and we said hi and whatever. It was her, but she wow. was literally walking around with a stuffed gorilla. Good for gorilla. her. Yeah. So, like, if... I'm just saying she lives up to exactly what you would picture. Love it. Well, she was very lovely also, but anyway. She, uh, well, in 2002 and 2012, she said that she definitely believes that they could exist and hopes that one day there's proof that comes she to light. She really believes they exist? That they could exist. Okay. Oh, that they could. Okay. So, I'll take it. Really quick, I want to say some of the more famous hoaxes of yeah. Sasquatch. So, there's one guy named Tom Biscardi. Tom Bis? Tom Biscardi, <laughs> not Tom Bacardi. I thought you said Tombis. No, sorry. I did say it weird. Tombis. Tom Biscardi. Got it. He's the CEO of a company called Searching for Bigfoot. And oh, wow. And he announced that he had captured Bigfoot. Oh, boy. And that he was selling tickets for people to see it. Oh, Tom, 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 Tom. But there were uh, no bodies that, there was like no Bigfoot bodies at all, uh -huh. even though he said that he had them after uh -huh. people bought tickets. So they'd show up and be like, where the fuck is this Sasquatch body? What? So he tricked everyone. Well, how did he put, he just. He just said, oh, there's a body, come see it. And then they'd show up and they'd be like, where is it? And he'd be like, never mind, sucker. Oh, so he didn't even play it off. <laughs> he no. just was like, okay, bye. So then in 2008, a guy named Rick and his friend Matthew, they posted on YouTube that they found the body of a dead Sasquatch. Oh, gosh. And the story actually was so popular that major news networks tried to go to the, the building to right. check out the body. Um, and then the body ended up being examined, and the hair was not real, the head was hollow, and the feet were rubber. So it was just but all But they fake. tricked, like, every major news network. I kind of love that part. That's fun. Well, Rick makes a comeback, almost. So in, six years later, in 2014, he says, okay, guys, this time I actually have a Bigfoot here. 
Guys, believe me. This yeah. time I'm not lying to you. So he says he killed the Bigfoot, which, by the way, is illegal. Which, by the way, um, someday will be homicide. Right. And he had scientific tests performed on the body. He said that it's the real deal. It's Bigfoot, and I shot it, and now I'm proving it to the world. And he said he didn't want to just show it. He wanted to actually go on tour with the oh, body. Oh, for God's sakes. And okay. so he went on a North American tour and apparently showed everyone the body. Um, he released photos of it and a video of it, but never released any tests or biological samples. Um, and then eventually he admitted that the corpse was a hoax, a hoax, and he had paid someone to actually build it for him after he'd already gone on the tour and taken everyone's money. Oh, great. And so those are the three most famous hoaxes, apparently, beyond okay. Ray and the big footsteps. I was going to say, that seems like the OG hoax. Right, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Well, he's known, actually, as the father of Sasquatch, or the father of Bigfoot. Really? Yeah, because he was... I mean, yeah. Currently, he was the one who did most of the stomping His around poor fake grandkids shoes. who were like, guys, sorry, we have bad news. Right. For everybody. <laughs> Well, in 2013, Zoo Bank, which is an organization that assigns species names, actually approved Sasquatch to have its official classified species oh, name dear. as Homo Sasquatchus. Very original. They also said that <laughs> it is officially acceptable that if you're going for a plural form of Bigfoot, Bigfoots and Big Feet are both appropriate. They're both grammatically correct. I'm glad you put that in there because I was wondering. So, And uh, also, because Washington State is home to more Sasquatch sightings than any other area, um, there have been a few attempts now, but there is a Senate bill trying to pass a law making Sasquatch uh, Washington's state emblem and state cryptid to get you guys also state license plates with Sasquatch on it. Mark my words, if you get a Sasquatch license plate, I might move here for real. Because that is so cool. So I'm sorry that was so fucking long because they're, it, my story's never that long, but that was the best I could do at shoving everything together. But that was the story of Sasquatch. Thank you. Nice work. That was very good. Wow. I mean, I really like that. that Thank was cool. you. I didn't really know much about Sasquatch. so I know everything now, about Sasquatch. I think we both know too much now. Anyway, thank you. And you now it is Christine's turn. Hey, guys. So my story... Hello. Um, so my story yesterday, I feel like it was kind of dark. Um, so this one's just like, just weird. So <laughs> much like yours, just a weird, oh, good. weird story. Buckle um, up. Buckle up, guys. So this is the story, uh, which you probably won't know. Um, you probably won't. You definitely won't, probably. Cheer anyway. We have anxiety. So I was going to say, not yet. I haven't told you yet. <laughs> and be quiet. Just pretend like you're really excited. Okay, uh, this is the story of the kidnapping of George Warehouser. Woo! Thanks, guys. Okay, so this is a wild ride, so everybody get ready. Um, so the Warehouser Company is one of the world's largest private owners of Timberlands. Timberlands? Timberlands. Timberlands are the shoes? I don't know. Oh, Tim's. T well, they're not the shoe. I'm talking about, like, the, the wood. <laughs> Oh, I got gotcha. you. Um, owning or controlling more than 12.4 million acres of timberlands in the U.S., 
The company was founded in 1900 by lumberman Frederick Weyerhaeuser and still exists today. Um, but we're back, we're, the story takes place in the 1930s. Got it. Um, so, which is right after the company was built. And at that point, uh, they had, nope, that's wrong. Pretend I didn't say that. Delete, guys, you guys that. wanted a live episode. And you're like, this what does what that entail? And it's a lot get. of us not knowing what we're doing. Um, right. Da, 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 da. This story place t- takes place in the 1930s, right after the company built what was then the world's largest sawmill in Longview, Washington. All right. Yes. So, needless to say, this uh, is a very successful company, and at the time was a hugely successful company. Um, So, we're going back to May 24th, 1935. George Weyerhaeuser is the nine-year-old grandson of the company's founder, Frederick Weyerhaeuser. Nine-year-old. Nine-year-old boy. Yep. And he is released from school for lunch earlier than usual. And just like he does every day, he walks to meet his sister, Anne, at the school she goes to, which is the nearby Annie Wright Seminary. And, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. Cool. Cool, cool. Um, the family had a chauffeur. Same. Also me. Uh, <laughs> that usually met the kids at the seminary to drive, or at the school, to drive them home for lunch. Um, and so he would go and meet his sister, and then they would both get in the car and drive home for lunch. Got it. Um, and keep in mind, they're like one of the wealthiest families in the region. Same. Same. <laughs> oh, ouch. Okay. Um, But so because he had gotten out of school 15 minutes early, he decided he'd rather walk home than wait for his sister. So he decided to walk home alone. Um, So nine-year-old George, at some point on his walk back home, was kidnapped. So it didn't take long for the family to notice he was missing. Um, They immediately notified police, but nothing came of it until that evening when a special delivery letter arrived at the Weyerhaeuser home. The letter demanded $200,000, and also keep in mind, we're in the 30s, so this is a Great Depression. $200,000 oh is like gosh. a massive quantity of money. Today, that's $3.5 million. Um, I did that math in my head. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't but we can pretend. Um, yeah, so that's like a massive, massive quantity of money. Um, so the letter demanded $200,000 in unmarked 2010 and $5 bills if they wanted George back. And on the back of the envelope was little George's signature uh, to prove that they had him and that he was alive. Oh, no. They told the warehousers that if they agreed to the terms, they should place a personal ad in the Seattle Post. I mean, I guess anyone could just walk and post in the newspaper. It seems that. like that's right. what was going I, on then, yeah. I guess doesn't surprise me anymore, but that they should place a personal ad in the Seattle Post Intelligence, sir. Uh-huh. Uh, signed, Percy Minnie, and that was supposedly like the secret code. Will you please keep it down? No, I'm just kidding. Um, that was supposedly the secret code that would signal to the kidnappers that they agreed to the terms. What was it? I'm sorry. What was the code? So they had to sign the, the personal ad, Percy Mini. I got it. Like a fake got name, it, got basically. It, got it. Yeah. So the family did place, they, oh, they placed three ads in the paper over the course of several days, and like waiting to hear back. Um, and finally, uh, oh, and at that point they'd already told the FBI, so the FBI was already on it. Um, this is obviously like a high profile case. Hugely wealthy, successful family in the area, a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So on May 29th, five days after the kidnapping, the family finally received another letter. This letter instructed George's father to register at the Ambassador Hotel in Seattle, where he would await further contact. And so that's all they got at that point. Um, So there was also a note from George in the envelope. um, And it basically said, like, hi, mom and dad, I'm safe. And just signed George. Oh. oh. Yeah. So they were like, okay, we got to keep moving forward with this. Um, So the same night, that that same night that they got the letter, George's dad went to the hotel, 
booked a room, waited and waited. Finally, a cab driver arrived with a letter for him, and the letter told him to drive to this like secluded spot. So he followed the instructions, and when he arrived, he found sticks driven into the ground with a white cloth attached and a message directing him to another white sign. And when he got to the second white sign, there was no further message, so he waited. And he waited, and he waited, and he waited. But after two hours, he heard nothing. So he was like, I guess I'll just go back to the hotel instead of standing out here for hours. Um, the next morning, he received a phone call at the hotel from an anonymous caller who yelled at him for not following the instructions. And he was like, I did. I went to the second flag. And they were right. like, there was another note. And he was like, I didn't see the other note. And they were like, you didn't look hard enough. <laughs> like, go- silly goose. Like... Yeah, they like bickered back and forth. The guy was like, oh, come on. Like we put it very obviously. And he's like, I didn't find it anywhere. I was there for two hours. So basically he was like, well, I didn't see it. So there's nothing I could do. So they were like, okay, fine. Wait and we'll get back to you. We'll try again. The biggest disaster ever. Um, So on that same night around 9.45 p.m., a man described this having a quote, European accent, which don't know what the hell that means. Uh, (laughs) called um where is he oh here he is okay he just just described as having a european accent he called and he told warehouser to go to an address and there he would find a tin can oh my god it's like the worst scavenger hunt (laughs) ever (laughs) then 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 you'll find a piece of glass yeah a follow point that it'll be pointing in a certain direction and it's literally what this is So the note was inside the tin can, and the note would direct him from one can to another can, and then that can would direct him to another can. I'm not even kidding. And it would just direct him from can to can to can. Um, And then ultimately, he ended up on a dirt road off of a highway where he found a final note saying, wait in your car. Oh, by the way, he's, like, driving, apparently. So it was, like, drive to this point, then drive to this point. So he's driving all over Seattle. Um, ultimately, he finds a note that tells him to wait five minutes in the car with all of the inside lights on for five minutes and, like, watch the clock, which is just terrifying. It's the middle of the night, by the way. Also, at this point, I was kind of writing these notes, like, where's the FBI? Like, I don't know. They're aware and, like, letting this happen? He's just kind of, like, sitting in his car with all the lights on. This just seems very dangerous. Whatever. So he's just, I guess that's just what happened back then. Okay. I I wasn't there. Okay. So he's sitting in the car with all the lights on. Um, and then it said, after five minutes, you leave the car with the ransom money in the car. So you count to five minutes. And you leave the car with the money inside the car. And then you walk back towards Seattle. And Okay. <laughs> Does he get his car back? No. <laughs> That's not part of the plan. Okay. So they're like, you just leave your car there. Um, and you walk back towards Seattle. Um, and then if the kidnappers determined that the correct amount of money was inside the car, then he would get his son, George, back within 30 hours. Okay. So he'd only walked about 100 yards down the road back towards Seattle when he heard a noise from the bushes. A man ran out, got in the car, and drove away with the ransom money. So he was like, okay, at least that part was true, I guess. At least I followed all the instructions this time. Yeah, and it seemed, <laughs> it seemed like they were a little happier than the first scavenger hunt he went on. Um, So now, obviously, all the family could do was wait. Um, So less than two days later, on June 1st, 1935, George walked in the front door of the warehouser's home, safe and sound. He had been driven there by a family from Issaquah, Washington. Yeah. 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 Okay. I thought maybe that one would get some... Some woohoo. Some woohoos. 
Um, okay, so Issachar, Washington, who had taken him in the middle of the night, after, had taken him in, not they hadn't taken him, he'd already been taken by someone right. else. Right. So they, this family had taken him in in the middle of the night after he was dropped off by the kidnappers. So Got this it. family was like, hey, they like showed up at the house and were like, hey, we found your son. He wandered into our home. Basically. Got it. It's true. <laughs> he literally wandered into their home. I'll tell you all about it. So, okay, so we know what happened from the warehouser's perspective and from kind of the police perspective, uh, but we have not heard about what happened from George's perspective. And now that he's home safe, obviously the FBI immediately interview him, and I'm now going to tell you his account of what happened to him. Okay. So when he was, um, he explained that when he left Annie Wright Seminary on May 24th to walk home alone, he took a shortcut through some tennis courts, and he, as he was walking out the other side, he met a man who was around 40 years old. He had brown hair and a mustache. The man asked him for directions, and as George began to respond, the man just picked him up. <laughs> I don't know what the directions part is supposed to accomplish, but picked him up, carried him to a sedan, which was parked across the street, and also had a second man waiting in the passenger seat. Mm. They put George in the back seat, threw a blanket over him, and then they drove around for an hour while the men whispered up front frantically. Like He's, they didn't know what the next I, step it was? So, it sounds like. It sounds, it sounds like, like us during our heist. Like, what the fuck do we do? We didn't plan this far ahead. Hey, I know. I have a bunch of empty tin cans. We could, <laughs> we could probably scatter these all over Washington State. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so I can fake a European accent. I'll call. It'll be fine. I'll make a half-ass scavenger hunt, yeah. and then when he doesn't do it right because I fucked up, then I'll you yell. Yeah, yeah, you yell. yeah. You'll be the bad guy. So yeah, so they drove around for an hour, like apparently whispering frantically up front. He later said the two men addressed each other as Bill and Harry. After about an hour, the men pulled over and removed George's blanket. They gave him an envelope and told him to write his name on the back of it. So that was the first the, letter. The signature. Right. Got it. Um, then they blindfolded him and carried him 10 or 12 steps, which I just think is so precious that he told the FBI, like, it was either 10 or 12 steps. Aww. I know. I'm like, he's, like, really, I don't really even trying. know. I'm, like, don't even know where I am 99% of the time. <laughs> so the fact that this nine-year-old is so, like, conscious of <laughs> right, right, right. direction. So he says, they walked me 10 or 12 steps and said he thinks they walked across some sort of stream. He was then placed on the ground and still blindfolded, was led by the hand through the countryside for about half a mile. Eventually, they reached a large log, and when they got there, the man who was leading George put him in a four-foot pre-dug hole. Uh-oh. Yeah, that had been dug in the ground, so holy shit, this is terrifying for this poor kid. Then they chained his right wrist and leg inside uh, the hole before placing a board over it <gasps> to completely cover it from above. Oh, no. The men, Bill and Harry, quote-unquote, took turns guarding the hole for hours until about 10 that night when he heard them frantically whispering again. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine. Just incompetent all over the place. So apparently they were whispering and saying, well, the police might find us here. So they were like, okay, we should go somewhere else. So they grabbed George, carried him back to the car, put him in the trunk again with a blanket over him. After about an hour, they led him back through the woods in another spot where they dug another hole and put him in that one instead. I, I'd be like, I'm good with the car. Like, I'll just stay in the car. There's a blanket in there. There's like, a blanket and cans. And it's fine. <laughs> some cans. I can, <laughs> I can make do there. Yeah, it's all good. Um, once he was in the second hole, uh, they gave him a seat from the car and two blankets. 
Then they covered up the hole again with a bunch of boards. Um, investigators later determined that next, on May 26, 1935, the two men, this time accompanied by a woman, mm. put George in the trunk of a Ford and drove through Washington into Idaho. Event woo, yeah, I heard one woo. Uh, yeah, it's not as exciting when there's just, like, terrible things surrounding the world. Right. Oh. No one wants to cheer at all. Yikes. It's like, eh. <laughs> I guess it's cool. Eventually, they took George out of the car and handcuffed him to a tree, again watching him until nightfall. When it grew dark out, they took him to a house and locked him in a large closet with a mattress, two chairs, and a small white table. Uh, they kept him in there for six days in this closet. Um, on this, that was a dramatic pause. Actually, I lost my place, but oh. <laughs> pretend like it was for dramatic effect. Um, okay, so on the sixth day, George's abductors told him that they were leaving the house and George, because as we've determined, is just very smart and like conscientious of He's his on it. surroundings, very on it. He glanced at someone's watch as they were leaving the <gasps> house and saw that it was 5.55 p.m. So he was able to kind of help, help the FBI like determine at what point they were leaving. What a genius little kid. I know, kid. he's much smarter than I am. Um, that shouldn't surprise anyone. <laughs> Uh, when asked, which I am kind of find this a little bit fucked up, but they asked him why he didn't run away at this point. And I'm like, well, can you blame Again, him? Again, because he's smart as hell. He's it's like, like, I'm traumatizing. hanging yeah. out here. You're not hurting me. Yeah. Yeah. So they asked him why he didn't try to run away. And he said he didn't think he had to because the men had told him he would be going home soon. Oh. Yeah. So poor baby. Um, so they put him back into the trunk of the car with another blanket on top of him. And uh, ultimately, he was dropped off at a shack near Issaquah. They stayed with him until around 3.30 a.m. And they left after that, telling him his father would come to take him home soon. So at this point, it's like 4 in the morning. And George is wandering around this neighborhood in the middle of nowhere. He walks into a farmhouse and tells the family who he was. And the family takes him in, washes him up, gives him clean clothes, and drives him back to Tacoma, where he's from. So his poor kid. Does anyone want to, like have any ownership of Tacoma right now? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's such a sad story. I don't know if Thank anyone you. wants to, like, announce they're from any of these places. Yeah, I'm not giving you much chance to be happy. Sorry. <laughs> so, Tacoma. Yay, we love it. It's beautiful. Okay. So, cool. Now, we have come full circle as far as we've heard the family story, we've heard George's side of the story. Right. And remember when I was like, oh, where's the FBI? Why aren't they involved? Apparently, they were involved, but, like, Wikipedia didn't want to tell me until, like, way at the end. I see. So I was like, oh. But then I was like, <laughs> it's actually kind of a fun twist because it turns out they were involved all along. Ooh. Yeah. Super cool. So as I mentioned, the FBI joined the case pretty early on because this was, like, very high profile, very, you know, wealthy, important family, et cetera, et cetera. Um, while the family was negotiating with the kidnappers, the FBI conducted their investigation extremely quietly so that the abductors wouldn't get spooked. When the warehousers got the ransom money ready, the FBI noted every single serial number on the bills and sent them to FBI headquarters. <gasps> smart. Yeah, really smart. Where ransom lists were prepared. So they basically like wrote down every single serial number so that all over the U.S. it would be tracked if any of them were used. Um, immediately after the kidnappers took the money... Uh, which was May 30th, 1935, the list of serial numbers was sent to every FBI field office uh, to distribute to commercial enterprises in their region, including banks, hotels, railway companies, etc. So, like, throughout the whole country. Hold on. There it is. Pretend like this there is, is really smooth. Oh, there it is. There it is. I'm very professional. 
Oh, guys. I'm so happy you're here. Okay. Ready for the next thing? Yeah, yeah, okay. oh yeah. Cool. <laughs> Me too. On June 2nd, 1935, a day after George was re rescued, the FBI received word that one of the $20 ransom bills had been used to pay for a railway ticket from Huntington, Oregon to Salt Lake City. Mm. The FBI determined that the purchaser was a 23-year-old man named Harmon Metz Whaley. And shortly after that bill was used, many ransom bills began appearing in discount stores in Salt Lake City. So basically, one of the bills was used to get to Salt Lake City, and then all of a sudden the bills started popping up in Salt Lake City. I see. So apparently there were not many FBI agents living in Salt Lake City. <laughs> Uh-oh. Living in Salt Lake City. So they were like, I guess we have to send them there. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> so they like rallied the troops to yeah, Salt Lake City? Yeah, a bunch okay. of FBI agents were just kind of like sent to stand in. So a lot of the bills had been used at discount stores, like Woolworths and, you know, like those kind sure. of convenience stores. So... Um, all these FBI agents were basically sent to be like store security and I just see. stand all day, all day at these stores. And just hope they walked in yeah. and got it. <laughs> basically. Um, so at one point at a Woolworths in Salt Lake City, um, one of the agents was notified by a cashier that a woman had used one of the bills. The woman was taken into custody and her name was Margaret Whaley, which same last name as the guy who took the train ticket. Got it. Uh, the, the train from to Salt Lake City. And she was the 19-year-old wife of Harmon Whaley. So that's how they determined who she was. Um, so Margaret was taken into the local FBI field office, and investigators were able to get the Whaley's home address from her pocketbook. So they show up at Harmon Whaley's house, and after several conflicting stories, he finally admits that he and another man named William Daynard, whom he had met at the Ohio... Nope. Start oh. over. Whom he had met... I almost said Ohio State. That's wrong. Uh, <laughs> whom he had met in the... Idaho State Penitentiary, Got it. Uh, very different, um, had kidnapped George Warehouser in an attempt to get money from the Warehouser family. So he's like, yeah, I did it, and also I did it with that guy, William Daynard. What? <laughs> That's what he said, I think. Um, anyway, oddly enough, approximately $3,700 of the ransom money was found to have been burned in the Whaley's stove. Um, but they took the ashes and sent them back to D.C. to the FBI laboratory, and they were identified as the ransom bills. So they were like, you, you tried, they basically Weird. tried to, like, burn all the money to, like, hide it from Weird. the FBI. Okay. But it didn't work. So, too bad. Um, phys <laughs> <laughs> physical evidence found in the hideout, uh, the holes that George had been buried in, and the kidnappers' homes was examined by the FBI Fingerprint identification positively linked both of the Whaley's, so uh, Harmon and Margaret, and Daynard to the shack where the ransom had been divided, and Harmon Whaley's fingerprints appeared on all the tin cans. <laughs> he really tried, though. <laughs> oh, I love that they're, like, the main character. They're yeah. the guest star of the they're story. They're just like... I can't believe it. I don't laugh at that. That was terrible. Don't laugh at that part. Yikes. Also, they identified one of Margaret Whaley's fingerprints at the hideout, too. So she couldn't kind of escape and Got be it. like, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> they found her fingerprints at the same places where George had been being held. Got it. 
Um, so on June 21st, 1935, Harmon Whaley finally pleaded guilty to kidnapping and conspiracy to kidnap, landing him 45 years on the kidnapping charge and two on conspiracy. After a few years in the McNeil Island Correction Center, he was sent to a brand new state-of-the-art prison called Alcatraz Island. Oh! Yay! That was a fun little game changer. I like that. <laughs> At the time, it was like very state-of-the-art and like... Right. Yeah. Before you know, it's time. You know things, how things went. So anyway, um, his wife, Margaret, pleaded not guilty, but was sentenced to, was found guilty and was sentenced to two concurrent 20-year terms in prison. So Daynard had not been caught yet. He was the guy that uh, both the Whaley said was kind of the brains behind the operation. Um, and he had evaded law enforcement several times, but he was ultimately arrested in Los Angeles. Along with the ransom money, in his garage they found various dyes and paraphernalia used to change serial numbers on money. So he was like, <laughs> can you imagine though? Weird. He had basically the equivalent of like $3 million and he couldn't use any. He couldn't use a $20 bill because the FBI crazy. would know. So he's sitting in his garage trying to like change the little serial numbers. Yeah. Didn't work. Um, well. Yeah. Nice try, bud. A for effort. A for effort. Um, so he ultimately pleaded guilty as well, um, and he was sentenced to two 60-year prison terms. He was eventually found to be, quote, insane. Nobody clarifies what the hell that means, but at, I feel like back in the day, they just kind of said that sometimes. They just kind of slapped that on and yeah. went on their way. Why Got not? It. It's an easy, an easy out. Um, and he was confined to a hospital. The FBI ultimately found almost all of the ransom money and was able to return it to the Weyerhaeuser family, so that was good. Um, some of it was in the Whaley's and Daynard's possession, and some of it they actually found buried, like, throughout Washington State, and they had to kind of wow. talk them into f giving away their hidey holes, but apparently they weren't very <laughs> good at hiding those anyway, so I, I imagine it was not too hard to find. Um, it seemed like that's just their answer. They just dug holes and put stuff in it. And then whispered frantically. Yeah. And then just like through cans, I don't know. It, it seems just like not a very thought out plan. Um, okay, so they were all basically ended up in jail. They all basically ended up in jail. Um, Harmon Whaley, for what it's worth, he was the first man who was kidnapped. Uh, he actually wrote to George Weyerhaeuser from prison several times to apologize for having kidnapped him. <laughs> he felt really terrible about it. <laughs> He's like, I just wanted the money. Like, I didn't want to hurt you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and little George, happy ending, uh, eventually became the chairman of the board for the Weyerhaeuser Company. And in, Yay. yeah, he lived out a super awesome life. And it, I believe he's still alive. I don't know. Just don't. Let's, we'll see. <laughs> Eva, delete that part and tell you Wikipedia it later. <laughs> uh, I do believe he's still alive. In 2001, he was inducted. Listen, dreams really do come true. I can't wait. In 2001, he was inducted into the Paper Industry International Hall of Fame. Yeah. I love it. That sounds like something out of the office. I like, was going to say, it's the most Dunder Mifflin <laughs> yeah. thing I've ever heard. It really sounds fake. <laughs> so good for little George. He really, uh, really, really did it. Did it big with his life. Um, perhaps most poignant of all, I thought at least, um, was when George kidnappers, George's kidnapper, Harmon Whaley, was finally released from prison at the age of 52. So he was like 23, I think, when he went to prison. So Got it. at 52, he was released. And George gave him a job at one of the company's factories. I know. That kid is just the best through and through. I know. Wow. I know. What a good boy. Such a good boy. Such a good boy. My Gio. He did very good. And that, my friends, is the story of the kidnapping of George Weyerhaeuser. Oh.
pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Thank you, guys. I do, if you guys are okay, um, I do have a quick horoscope for you. Woohoo! So, I want to explain for anybody who's been dragged here by a significant other, a family member, anybody who's like, I just want to go home, I don't, I don't know why I'm still sitting here, this is very uncomfortable for me. Well, we're almost done, but this is what this <laughs> is. A horoscope is basically where I give um, unwanted astrological advice to people who can't, who can't use it anyway, so you're welcome. Um, so Harmon Whaley uh, is a Sagittarius. Okay. And so was the guy yesterday. Maybe that's a Seattle thing. I don't know. Maybe. So uh, I have a little thing for all you Sagittarius. Okay. Today, Sagittarius, your heart pounds with excitement. For some reason, there's a quiet voice inside of you warning that you may be getting yourself into a great deal of trouble. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> it goes without saying that this probably isn't a good day to make a decision of any sort. Uh-uh. <laughs> your thinking may not be as rational as it usually is. Why don't you write down your brilliant ideas and return to them in a day or two when you're thinking a little more clearly? And that, Seattle, concludes the story of the kidnapping of George Weyerhaeuser. Thank you. Guys, it was hard to pick. I, it was hard to pick a story. Seattle, Seattle has some fucked up stories. I watched like 11 YouTube videos of just listicles of like crazy shit that happens here. So it was a tough choice, but. Um, thank you guys for having us. Yes, we really appreciate that. We're so happy that. to be here. Thank you so much, Seattle. We love you, Seattle. Thank you. Thank you so, 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 so much. Oh, wait. And. That's what we In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.